Hello and welcome to the greatest show on earth. I am your host, Aaron Nathan Neal, and you are listening to More Than a Party Podcast. What's up, my man, Nate? Nate Amico, the one and only. What's happening? What's good, man? How you doing? Good to be here. Chilling. I appreciate you coming on my uh, my little cast. We we uh, talked about it when we were uh, when I was in Tucson like three weeks ago. Now it's crazy how quickly time has flown by. But we were like, dude, we got to get you on. You have things that you need to talk about. You need to get out into the world. <laughs> Dude, it's been it's been longer than three weeks. Has it really? It's over, yeah, bro. It's been over a month. Oh my gosh, dude! I honestly, it feels like it feels like a month because I've started back at school. I've started working, and it's like nonstop. The way my schedule really? is with uh, school, we get like we go one through eight, and I have a lunch, and I have what's supposed to be a planning period which yeah. is supposed to be like 40 minutes. But in reality, that planning period is kind of just like catching my breath and yeah, chill, relax a, for a little bit. Yeah. A little bit of grading if I can, but I usually have students in and out teachers in and out. So it's like, it's a nonstop eight twenty five to four fifteen. It's what I signed up for. I don't want to sound like I'm complaining, but yeah, it's, it's nonstop. You just started back up at school. Well, before we get into it, what you're doing, why don't you tell? Why don't you tell the people who you is a little bit, bro? Why don't you tell? Why don't you tell the ladies that you're a little single, single and ready to mingle? <laughs> she- All right. No, so, my name is Nate Amico. Obviously, as you said earlier, I am born in the greatest city in the world, the city of champions, Yikes. Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, oh right. Boston, oh, Massachusetts. God. All right, I'll get Red you Sox, Patriots, Celtics, Bruins—you name it. Um, All right. All right. Dad worked for the government, so we moved around a little bit. Um, I, I lived in Boston for the first, like, five years of my life, and then I had most of my, like, elementary childhood. I grew up in uh, Youngsville, North Carolina. It's like a small town outside of a Wake Forest, Raleigh area. Um, so I had most, of, like I said, my little childhood out there in the East Coast, and then uh, we moved out here to the high, dry desert, Tucson, Arizona, Oh, love it. Gotta love it. Greatest city yeah. on earth. As <laughs> Richard no would ever. say. Yeah. No except, one ever, except, except for Richard. <laughs> Richard Buona. A joker so thinks I, Tucson is the greatest place in the history of the world. Yeah, I beg to differ. But uh I don't, I don't get it. It's a great people here though. Met you there, obviously, when we came down here. So there's I guess we could take one good thing away from Tucson. Facts, facts, facts. But uh yeah, I came out here when I was in a middle school and been here ever since went to high school out here so been here for like 10 years now dude it's crazy where did you say your dad worked you kind of you kind of said that real quick your dad worked for i mean i know where he works but where did he work oh for? yeah he works for the government so he um he was in the navy and uh once my older sister was born he got out of the navy and he started working for the federal prison so he started off in uh san diego and that's where him and my mom met and uh and where's and, your mom you know, from my mom is born and raised in buenos aires argentina all the way in south america so Sheesh. yeah crazy and my dad is from uh terryville connecticut small town in oh, connecticut small as it is so but yeah crazy how that works out man argentina and connecticut dude that's insane yeah, have you have you been back to argentina um, I've been there twice. The last time I was there was a while ago. I was in like, uh, I was little. I think I was my, I was almost, I was like 13. It's been a while, but you were little. Yeah. You're probably a buck 10 back then. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Acting like yeah. you could dunk all over me. Tripping. <laughs> like nah, a goofball. I still can. Yeah. No, it's been a while though. It's a, uh, yeah, we, we went out there twice it was cool we went we went for like a long time because it's so it's so expensive to fly like my whole family i got a big family so there's a uh, five kids in my family so it adds up with plane tickets and everything so 
we when we went out there it was for like uh, almost two months so dude that's facts yeah. um when i was growing up in uh in utah in salt lake city in salt lake city we would drive down to tucson every year and uh, there's seven kids in my family and so also people in our church would want to come down to the tucson bible conference as well and so we would have like three if i remember correctly like i always felt like three bus loads like vans 15 passenger fans completely full carpooling from salt lake city all the way down to tucson which for people that don't know tucson pretty much just borders mexico and uh, there's no it you know it's pretty much is mexico i'm not gonna lie and yeah. uh so you have the top of utah all the way down to the bottom of tucson it was like 16 hours it was gnarly and but I mean, it was way cheaper than trying to buy everyone plane tickets all the yeah. way down to Tucson. It was, I mean, it doesn't even compare. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting how, how like plane tickets and the price of plane tickets has, has lowered tremendously just from now. If I go to, you know, Columbus, Ohio, and I want to go to LA, I can find something for like 200 bucks round trip. Yeah. It's insane. So when we, when my family moved here from uh, North Carolina to Arizona, we actually drove. So we, we did the cross country trip. I think that you guys did too, right? You guys drove. Dude, we've done it. Tucson I've done it. West Virginia. Yeah, we did it. And I've, I've, I've done it myself. Like just personally, I've done it probably 10 times. It is, it's <laughs> rough. It is yeah. rough. I've done it. One time me and Alyssa, we left uh, Thursday morning from west virginia at around like six probably we got into amarillo we stayed the night got up around eight ate some breakfast and got into tucson friday night dude we were yeah. moving so yeah. we were moving and we took our time though like sleeping it like we got into amarillo around like 10 got up at eight so it's possible to do it in like two days but you know we were Not on a mission so. we were on yeah a we were we were able to like uh because you know, my like I said, my dad was for the government, so they they offered to move us and like plane tickets, but we kind of were just like, oh, it'll be a cool little like family road trip. So yeah, it was cool. We we got to stop in um Tennessee, and then um that year was when the Super Bowl was actually in Dallas, Texas, at Cowboy Stadium or Arlington, wherever that's at. And uh, so we stayed uh three days and two nights at the Great Wolf Lodge in Texas, and like the last like day we were there, there was a bunch of like. Steeler and Packers fans coming in, like staying at the there was the little like hotel resort we were at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But dude, Texas, it felt like Texas took four days just to drive through. I mean, we we had Bro, to go all the way through, and oh it my. was like it's such a drag to go through Texas. Like, dude, Texas is like twenty hours. It's insane. Bro. It's stupid. And Who? mind you, I'm oh, I'm twelve years old. I'm twelve years old. I have a younger brother who's nine under me at the time. So it's like. I don't even know how annoying we were to my parents. <laughs> Drive. Oh, are we there yet? Are we there? Probably yet? just as annoying as you are now. <laughs> oh yeah, good one. Maybe more so. No, but um, I don't know. You might be more annoying now. I'm not really sure. Um, but you. So you moved here, and I remember when I was living there, you loved football. You loved basketball as well. But I remember yeah. you. You know, me going to a couple of your games, and then. We missed out on going to high school together. I think I graduated the year, your eighth grade year. Yeah. So we were like one year away from, from being together. But yeah. uh, you played football all four years of, of high school. So how was that for you? I've, and the reason why I kind of wanted to, you know, talk to you about football and sports and stuff is because, uh, you know, I have a lot of listeners that um, that are are aspiring athletes. And uh, so I appreciate, you know, someone that's worked hard, someone that's, you know, gone through the grind and, yeah. uh, and has lived, lived in to tell the tale. So, but high school football in Arizona, what, what's that like? So high school football in Arizona was different, man. It was, like I said earlier, I, you know, I played my first couple of years of Pop Warner in North Carolina over on the East coast. So, you know, just the weather itself was like, it was like, dude, Bad. coming and playing football in the desert. I didn't even know that was really a thing. It's a death like, sentence. 
yeah, it's like, you know, I didn't really experience that until I got to high school, like how hot it really was because, you know, I, I came here and I played two years, my last two years of like youth football. Yeah. But, you know, we don't start practice until almost six o'clock at night when we were little because we go to school all day and, and it was so hot. So they're like, all right, we'll start later in the afternoon, later at night when it cools down. So I get to high school, school gets out at what time? like 320 315 it's like almost the hottest part of the day is between like 2 and 4 p.m and <laughs> we're going out there in a helmet shoulder pads pull everything in the middle of the heat mind you you know they still do the classic hell week so we're still running dude we're dying i'm like i mean for those of you who don't know like the arizona heat is like it just like burns you from the inside out like you just feel nice. it in like your nose and like it's just dry bro like it, it, and you guys are on turf yeah so all that so that, here you go there's another experience i didn't find out till my sophomore year you know fresh, freshman football we practice on the backfield there's grass so it's all right cool and we'll actually know because we had games on the turf midday at four o'clock on thursday during the week and <laughs> so we have turf but you know like most we have our track around it as well which is black so it just radiates heat with the turf beads and the black track. And then you're in full pads. And my school colors are the one we went to. Is we were all navy blue. So it's pretty much black. So it's just like, <laughs> it's just asking to be hot. Dude, you're just asking to like die. And, Pass out and, pretty much. Yeah. And I'm sure there were people that were passing out. Oh, yeah. That, bro, at least for the first couple of weeks of the season, first month of the season when it was like the hottest and you know, we had our hell week conditioning. There was kids passing out, throwing up, IVs going in their arms and stuff. It's like <laughs> it's like a war zone, dude. I, I just I remember um, we never played on turf, but uh, in at my high school, ours at our high school field, what would happen um, when we were playing summer ball is if it was a long inning, so like our pitcher was just getting rocked or yeah. whatever it might be. We would have to, like, if I was catching, they would make us come in, get some water real quick, me specifically, because I have all that gear on, get some yeah. water, and then I'd have to go back out. Like, it was like a mandatory thing. Like, hey, Aaron, come and hydrate right now because your pitcher sucks and he's forcing you to be out there longer than you should be. So come back in, get some water, and then you got to go back out just because it would be so stinking hot, dude. And for yeah. people that, I don't know if we already said like how hot it gets, but it would be like 110 to like anything above. And it is just brutal, brutal, brutal heat. The sun, there's no clouds. If anyone has seen the movie holes, it's like that where you see like a little baby cloud and you're like, come on, little baby cloud, cover the little, cover the big sun. And you're just, and it doesn't, and you're just stuck there in the heat. So all that to say, I don't know how, I don't know how people do it. Tucson is rough. Yeah, and it's it's arguably worse in Phoenix. I would say, it, it, dude, it's hotter in Phoenix, capital man. It's nasty. I've had summer tournaments up there. Never. I've only played. So the hottest game of my high school career was actually in Phoenix. Like temperature wise, like it was legit the hottest. It was 113, and it was literally at nighttime. We didn't kick off. We kicked off at 7 p.m. Oh my it's, god! There's there's no sun out. And it was 113. And I don't know what I was doing. Like, it, it was in Surprise, Arizona. I've never been there before. I was like, I knew it's Phoenix. I wore a long sleeve that night with – we were all white, so I tried to just go all white. You know, I put a white long sleeve underneath. Dude, oh, my gosh. I was dying. We actually <laughs> – we actually – so the sprinklers during that game went off because when it gets to a certain temperature – the sprinkler systems out here go off because, you know, if it's grass, you're killing it. The grass is dying. So the game actually stopped in the middle of the game because the sprinklers started going off. Wow. So we got like, we got like a 15 minute, you know, break pretty much until they figured that whole thing out. But yeah, the sprinklers literally went off because of the heat detection. <laughs> That's like, insane. That's insane. Now, besides, but, besides like the weather, um, does like, Arizona football or Vail. So we're from a small town called Vail and Vail's actually produced some studs, um, especially in yeah. baseball. But 
how does that compare to like what you would say like Texas football or California California football? Does it does it compare? Does it hold like a candle? Like is Arizona football pretty pretty legit? So I think it gets overlooked because like you said, like we've had some we've had some like some studs. Like there's a lot of there's actually a ton of guys in the league right now in the NFL that are from Arizona. You know, like Vail is a small town where we're from, so there's not many from our specific particular town but like phoenix arizona there's tons of guys in the nfl right now and not a lot of people like they're like oh it's arizona okay sure you know there's there's no talent there wherever of course you know california and texas florida those are probably like the three biggest states as far as you know football goes and and they got more people to pull from obviously it's a bigger state there's more talent so but I mean, honestly, it's hard. Like, it's pretty hard playing. Or it was hard playing here, especially in high school with the whole, like, recruiting process. It's very hard because, like, you know, you're competing with all those thousands and hundreds of thousands of kids across the country, and it's like you've got to stand out. Like, why Like, why is a college coach going to want to pick, you know, a kid from this little small town of Vail when, you know, he's got a kid in Arlington, Texas, or, you know, yeah, Northern yeah. California. So it's like – it yeah. was hard, but, you know, it kind of like – it was good in a sense. Had a chip on your shoulder. You know, during the summer, I would go to, like, camps and stuff for colleges, and you get, like, these little these little name plates across your chest with your position, height, weight, and where you're from. And I'm, like, one of the only kids out there that has a little AZ on there. Wow. It's just, like, you get overlooked, and there's California, Florida, Georgia, Texas, you know, all the big states, and it's just, like – kind of kind of like lit a fire under me you know when i was once i realized how like small arizona really was to like the football world yeah yeah. the recruiting process so you know i think it was good in that sense but it was like like i said it was hard it was challenging but you know i think good came from it like i said going to those camps and being like one of the only kids from arizona it was like it's pretty cool once i got older i was like dang like i'm the only kid from arizona out here yeah and it was pretty cool so that's yeah, pretty tough. I mean, as far as that, but yeah. Um, that's pretty tough. And so you you played linebacker. Um, did you play were you two way in high school? Yeah. Okay. So I, I played like H back. It was a, okay. Yeah, it was like a tight running back receiver type mix. But you got recruited just straight as linebacker. Yeah. So who are you getting recruited from? Um, most of the schools I got recruited from were Pac twelve schools, so um, Arizona, Arizona State, um, USC, Washington, and then the Northern Arizona is out here too. Um, those were like the main schools in high school uh, that recruited me. Um, and then, you know, I so basically the recruiting process was that thing was crazy. It was the best slash worst experience ever. Yeah. Because, you know, when I'm a kid, there's like looking at, you know, college football and NFL, it's like, you don't see all the stuff that goes into it. You just see like the product or you you see the result, I guess you could say. Yeah. So like when I actually started getting recruited, there was a lot of stuff that I didn't know, like existed in the recruiting world. I mean, I'm the oldest, you know, male in my family. So I was the first one to go through the recruiting process. There's a lot of stuff that my parents didn't know. I didn't know my coaches, um, a lot of politics, man. Like what? So, so, so take me through, like, if I'm, if you're, if you're recruiting me, what would, what's going to happen? What are you going to do with me? So, well, for one, like I stated earlier, very hard to get recruited out of the town we grew up in. Like I said, it was just small. That was just the way it was. So, you know, your film had to be, you had to like stick out basically. And, you know, playing, sports all throughout pretty much your whole life. You always got your coaches, your parents, you know, telling grades, grades, grades. Those are crucial too. If you got a good GPA, it, it also yeah. stands out. So it, it goes both ways as far as that. But like with the recruiting, it's like, so my, so my sophomore year going into my junior year, I basically, I went to every, like they're called satellite camps or just, you know, camps that colleges have. I went to basically every camp I could possibly go to, you know, I went to Arizona, I went to all the ones in Phoenix for ASU. My parents drove me out to California. I went to UCLA, Stanford. You know, I did as much as I could. And 
like I said, we were new to it. And I found out really quickly that if you weren't in like prior contact with a coach before those camps, you're just another number in the crowd. They collect your 50 bucks and, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks for coming. So I learned that pretty quick. You know, I went to all these camps. I, I did really well, performed well. And it's like, they don't even, coaches don't recognize you at all. So that next year, junior year going into my senior year, I only went to camps that I was specifically invited to by a college. So mm -hmm. I had like, you know, tech, Twitter was huge. That's where all the recruiting went down in high school was Twitter, um, email kind of, that doesn't really exist anymore, <laughs> but yeah, Twitter was like a huge platform for recruiting. And, um, so like, I only went to the camps where like a coach was like, Hey, like, I want you to come to my camp. I want to see you in person. So I started narrowing it down that way. I only went to like four or five that year versus like 10. <laughs> so, hey. yeah. But it was concentrated. Like you said, you were that you were just there where you were wanted and where you yeah, knew exactly. that you were going to be, where you were going to be seen. Yeah. So like going into the camps, the camps were usually on Saturdays. So for most of them, what I would do is, um, you know, shout out to my parents as well. They drove me all <laughs> over the country, spent all types of money on me for all these camps, hotels. So the Saturdays were the days of the camp, but what we do is we would go up the day before. So on Friday out the coaches, I would meet up with the coaches and, uh, they would give me like a tour of the school. They let you put on the uniform, take pictures, you know, do the whole thing. That's and then, tough. you know, sat Saturday. Yeah, it, it was, it was super cool, man. I think the first, the first like full uniform I put on was for uh, San Diego State, and then I did Arizona's, and then ASU. It was sick, man. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah, so yeah, it was that's awesome. Tough. That's tough. Even if you don't end up going there, it's just like it's it's all part of the process. That's what I was saying earlier. It's like the best worst process ever. Yeah. <laughs> but so you got to like tour the school, do the whole uniform, talk to the coaches, and then Saturday was the actual camp, and you just had to you know do your thing, and so. Um, so right out of high school, you're getting recruited. What made you choose the school that you ended up going to? So I wanted to stay home. Um, as crazy as that sounds staying, I wanted to stay in Tucson. <laughs> I'm a big family guy. So I, I wanted, my, yeah, that... I am. Hey, that's just how it is. I wanted my parents and my brothers and, you know, family, friends and people from church to be able to come to my games and stuff. So yeah, I ended up. So I ended up going to the University of Arizona as a walk-on. Um, it's called a preferred walk-on. It's a little little different. It's, I got recruited by Arizona late in my senior year, so there's a cap on scholarships each year, and you know for each position. And they had already offered all the linebackers, so but they wanted me on the team. So basically, they give me a secured roster spot, but I'm not on scholarship. So I took mm -hmm. that over scholarship offers to NAU in Central Florida, which at the time sounded nice but <laughs> yeah yeah so i ended up going to the u of a um staying home uh coach rod rich rodriguez was the the coach who recruited me to play here um some drama went down really quick before i even <laughs> got there <laughs> yeah rich rod uh, he i mean yeah. west virginians know rich rod pretty well obviously because that, that used yeah. to be our guy him and him and uh uh coach Castile those guys both came from West Virginia over yep. to Arizona but uh yeah so I'm talking like two weeks before I graduate high school uh I get these text messages because I my so my best friend from since I moved to Arizona uh went to high school together middle school played football growing up um he was also committed to Arizona so we were going to play uh college ball together and he sends me a text before school starts in the morning. We're like a week away from graduation. And he's like, bro, Coach Rodriguez got fired. And I was like, what? I was like, I thought he was like pranking me or something. I go on Sports Center daily, like the Tucson yeah, yeah. and sure enough, he got fired. And I was like, holy cow. Like that was like super scary because for people who don't know about recruiting processes and all that, it's like, he, he's the one who recruited me, like his coaching staff. So if a new coach comes in, they can bring in other guys. And it's like, you know, I could totally get lost. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he got fired and I was just like panic mode, dude. I was like, Oh no. Like there was a lot of uncertainty, like right before I graduated high school. And, uh, what did he get fired for? 
So basically, his assistant that he had, um, he he fired her, and a little while later, she filed a lawsuit against him for like sexual assault, saying that she he was like, you oh, know, being inappropriate yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. So they had like it was like a mutual thing and she long story short he beat the case she was lying she just wanted money so he basically got fired for no reason which sucked ruined a lot of stuff for me personally um like i said so he uh i mean we can go through the timeline because that was also when i went when that happened I, i went to mexico for uh for the u.s team Oh, okay. We can talk about that. But yeah. did you did you end up staying at U of A for you stayed there for a year, correct? Sort of. So Richard got fired. The new coach came in, and I didn't have my roster spot anymore. He, I didn't know who he was. He didn't know who I was. So I ended up getting in touch with him, and I told him like, "Hey, I'm one of the like I was on the list, but like I said, he didn't know who I was." Um, yeah. So he brought in like a new coaching staff. Like I said earlier, he came from, it was Kevin Sumlin. He came from uh, Texas A&M and he brought, you know, his own staff, certain guys with him. So all the coaches, like my position coach for linebacker, he left, he went to like North Carolina. So I didn't know anybody there except for one coach. And he wasn't like, he wasn't even like a position coach. He was kind of just like a transition guy. Yeah. So, I got in touch with this new coach and I told him my my situation, like, Hey, I'm a preferred walk on like yada, yada. And he's like, all right, well, he brought three guys or two guys that played my position from Texas A&M. He brought them over with him. So I was already like, whoever was already there, I was in competition with. And then he just brought these two other guys. And it was just like, you know, you keep getting bumped down on the depth chart. Yeah. He basically made me come to like the actual walk on tryouts because to see me in person and, Dude, he was there for like two minutes. He just showed his face and he left. So I ended up getting cut and uh, never even got to play a game at Arizona, which really bummed me out. I uh, um, I ended up switching over to rugby. Yeah. Which I was also recruited to play there as well. So my original plan was I was going to play both. I was going to do football. And then in the spring, I was going to play rugby. Yeah. But uh, after I got cut, I just went full-time rugby for the rest of that year. But before you – okay, so before you went to the U of A, you played for the USA national team or has – No, that... so um, basically we had this kid from – that transferred to my school. Uh, he was a kicker. And after football – like once football season was about to end, you know, he starts telling everybody like, hey, um, we're going to start a rugby team here at our high school. My dad's going to be the coach. And I was like, rugby? I was like, I knew a little bit about it because my mom's brothers in Argentina, they grew up playing rugby, but I didn't know. That was all I knew about it was that my uncles played it. So I played one year. I played my senior year of high school. Um, it was an absolute blast. It was so much fun. Um, me and my one of my, my best friends, Carter, we ended up our first years ever playing. We were all Americans. We got all American ballots for high school rugby. Um, we got invited to play for these two big club teams. We went on like, cause there's like 11 man rugby and then there's seven man rugby or 15 man rugby and seven man rugby. So during the summer, uh, we got invited to play for this big club. Um, and we went to like Las Vegas for this national sevens tournament, um, balled out, dude, got MVP of the tournament. Um, yeah, it, it was a blast. So I ended up getting recruited to play rugby at U of A as well. And uh, so after I got cut from the football team, I went over and I transitioned into like full-time rugby for that first year. And uh, it was fun. I had a good time. Uh, rugby's different, no pads, it's a little more, a little more aggressive, a little more like tactical as far as like tackling goes and everything. Cause you don't, you know, you don't have gear yeah, yeah. on, so you, you're not, you're not trying to get hurt, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you play rugby, then you ended up playing football though. You went back to football, right? Correct. Yeah. So couldn't, couldn't let go of football, man. I love it too much. So I ended up uh, going to a community college in San Diego, Southwestern college. Um, 
after my freshman year at the U of A, uh, I moved out there in fall of 2019 to play football again. Felt so good to be back. Um, just felt right, I guess. You know, rugby was fun, but it wasn't like my passion, you know. So, and I was just kind of trying. I still had like all years of my eligibility left. So I was like, I want to at least try one more time for football just to see, you know, I don't want to have that regret. So I went the Juco route, which was a grind, man. That was like, it really tested my love for football, I guess you could say. <laughs> the Juco product. Dude, California. They gave me no. They don't give you any scholarships, no housing, no yeah, like, yeah. no food, nothing, dude. I had to take out some loans for school. It was, dude. It was like seven thousand dollars a semester for a community college. It was insane. Jeez. Um, my dad's best friend from the military uh, actually lived like ten minutes away from that school I was going to, so he came in super clutch. He actually let me live with them the whole year for completely free, wow. which I like, saved. Yeah, so like that was a huge blessing. Uh, if he wasn't there, I probably wouldn't be able to come up with the money. So it was like a huge, huge blessing. But um, yeah, so I played a, a year of community college football out in San Diego. Um, had a blast, dude. Met some really good people out there. It was like some Juco football is like different, bro. It's like Juco sports in general, but like, I don't know, something about Juco football is just like, like the boys there, like the dudes I met, they, I haven't seen them in two years, but I literally talk to all of them every day still, like. We got our group chats, and it was just like it's it's super dope. But uh, yeah, so I played out there. Um, had a good season. I got second team All American for the country for like my position, which is pretty tough because community college man, there's a lot of people like rotating in. It's not like you know high school or like Division One where it's like all right, you're the starter, you're the second string, you're the third string. Starter plays the whole game pretty much. Um, dude, like one, two, and three all rotate because it's mm -hmm. like the co the college. Co our coaches were trying to get us filmed so we could get out and go back to like a D1 school or get a scholarship to a university. So there was a lot of rotating. Um, it was tough because there was a bunch of guys in the summer. From my position, there was like 25 dudes playing linebacker when I got there. Jeez. And I was just like, holy cow, like I've never seen as many in my life, like on one team. It's huge. I, I was used to like 10, 11, but they just started dropping like flies once the season started coming, you know ineligible yeah. or just quitting like whatever so we made it to a bowl championship game and that last game we were down to four linebackers bro <laughs> it was like <laughs> dude, we started off with 25 and went down to four it was tough though I, I learned like a lot of football because you know I played like there's th we we ran three linebackers uh at that school I went to and I I played all three three of those positions just because like I don't know. I was just one of the guys. I, I was able to like pick up on all the plays for all three of those spots. So it was good experience. Um, COVID, <laughs> COVID, yeah, did of course, end of the year. So kind of, you know, I had to. I started with that whole recruiting process again. When you go to community college, you try and get recruited to get you know a scholarship to university. So, um, you know, I went back into the recruiting process, which I wasn't excited for because I, I figured out how it really was when yeah, I did yeah. high school. Um, the last like two weeks of school, there was a handful of schools that came in, uh, BYU came to see me, Boise State, NAU and Texas Tech. Um, Texas Tech was the school that was like messing with me the most. They really liked my film and stuff and my size and whatnot. So we had set up a visit, um, to go there in March for their spring game. It was like a uh, official yeah. visit. So official visits, they pay for everything. They put you in a hotel. They feed you nice. Like they, they do the whole thing. Yeah. And usually, usually at the end of official visits, they offer you a scholarship. But you know, I wasn't hundred percent. But that's usually how they go. So they do it for uh the date was like March twelfth, and then we get shut down like March fifth. COVID hits, so that got canceled. They got a whole new coaching staff. The whole cycle repeated. <laughs> oh my so, gosh! Never heard from them again. So, yeah, but everything you know, everything you know, works out for a reason. Yeah. And uh, so you're you're done though. You're you're no more no more football. Yeah, no more football for me. I'm gonna I'll probably coach later in my life. That's what I want to do when I'm older. But I'm just uh right now I'm just going to school full time and uh, working a little bit. Where are you working at? 
Uh, I work at this little warehouse. My uh, one of my my friends from high school, his dad owns his own company, so uh, it's like right next to my house. He he lets me work with him. Uh, he works around my school schedule, so it works out nicely. That's tough. I was actually kind of trying to fish out of you. What's what's your little side hustle? What's your little side hustle? So, um, one of my side hustles, I uh, I resell shoes. Me and my boy started this thing during COVID. Uh, we started like an Instagram page. And we started uh, reselling like, you know, higher end shoes like the Jordans and the Yeezys and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, COVID, everybody was getting all, all these stimulus checks and they thought they were rich. So <laughs> I was like, oh, this is a good time, you know. So we just started, you know, getting shoes and we would get like, you know, used shoes, not like beat to death, but like, you know, still good condition. And then we would like fix them up a little bit and just resell them. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. It was it was fun. But so, so people were getting their stimmy and they were either buying shoes or they were some some people, if they were smart, they were investing. Correct. Which is what you got into over the last what year you started. Do you do, so yeah. do you do penny stocks? Yeah, that's how I started. So I uh, that's why I said one of my side houses. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, Yay. I started I started a dabbling. <laughs> Started dabbling with the stock market. Little dabble. Um, I uh, I knew what it was, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah, yeah. That stock market is an animal, dude. That thing's a beast. Uh, I started um during COVID. I was just you know looking up stuff. I was just you know, dude. You, I don't even know. That couldn't even tell you the things we did during quarantine. But we were just stuck in the house all day. I just. I remember my dad uh, talking about it, you know, his retirement 401k and that's sort of what the stock market. And I think what really like got me into it was uh, my dad's twin brother. He's been in the, he does this, he's been in the stock market for a little while, but he, uh, he made like some crazy amount of cash on like a penny stock, which I didn't know what it was. That's what you were just saying. Um, dude, it's ba- a penny stock is basically a, a stock that's a dollar or less. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it's literally cents, and you just he put like a couple thousand dollars into this penny stock and it ended up hitting a dollar and he made bank off it. So I kind of got interested. Yeah. I was like, let me see, like, let me see. Especially, like, especially when the government's do. giving you free free money. Yeah, exactly. So I took my that's what I did with my very first stimulus check. I put a little bit into the stock market. And you I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, I got hooked just because like, you know, you're like, oh, dang, like, this is cool. I just made at the time I was like, dang, I just made 20 bucks, you know, literally doing nothing. I was like, this is pretty cool. And so I started like doing like a lot more research on it. And, um, you know, I started pick there's so much that goes into it. Um, there's like chart analysis. So I started doing like a lot of research on it. You know, what companies my my favorite my biggest like my very first like larger gain was like an electric vehicle company those are like really up and coming right now um so it's called like lucid motors and i heard about it and i was like looking into it and i was like oh this is pretty cool like let me like look some more into it so they ended up building their like their main like headquarters out here in arizona it's like an mm-hmm. hour a little over an hour next near my house um so I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll put a couple hundred bucks in here. And I just left it. And then, like, I bought it at, like, $13 or something like that. And it went all the way up to, like, six, almost 70 bucks in, like, wow. less than a month. Wow. And I was like, I mean, I was hooked, bro. I was like, holy cow. <laughs> I, made a, <laughs> I made a couple thousand right now just sitting in my room. And I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> so, and I yeah, learned that's really tough. Quick. I learned, yeah, I learned really, really quick that it's it's not what you think. It's. Yeah, it's high risk, high reward. That's because yeah. we talk we talk about the stock market in in my yeah. uh, in my class when I'm t- when I'm teaching about finance okay. and whatnot. And so the stock market is one of the units that we talk about. And one of the main things I try and get across to my kids is that it's high risk, but it's also high reward. Yeah. And the high risk comes when you put $13 in or whatever, you buy a number of shares at $13 and you think they're going to go up and they don't. Correct. And yeah. And you just, you lose money. And, yep. uh, you know, 
and depending on what your financial status is, a couple hundred bucks might be breaking the bank. Right. And so you do your research, you look into it, you know, you do your due diligence and you put money in and all of a sudden it just sucks, you know, gone. and, the, and like for, yeah, it's just like that. And it's gone. It's just such a, it can be such a gamble for yeah. sure. Just like that. Um, and Richard, Richard, of course, is is pretty into it as well. Um, but if you were if you were talking to someone, because you have, you know, you, we don't we don't have to talk about how much money you've made, but I know that you've been pretty successful and because you're you're very diligent in keeping track, uh, you know, the stock market where it's at, you know, yeah. trading and whatnot. You know, you keep you do a lot of day trading. So if if you were to talk to someone that's wanting to invest inside of the stock market, what, do, what are you telling them? So like a new investor, new investor, I'm, I'm still a new investor, dude. There's, there's, <laughs> there's so much, there's so much I still don't even know, but it's just like, you, you, you kind of just got to learn as, as you go. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I mean, you hear this everywhere, but it's really like, you got to put in what you're willing to lose. Like whatever mm. you put in, you got to be willing to lose it. And that's just the harsh reality of the stock market. I learned, like I said, I learned that really quick. Um, you know, I made some decent profits like pretty quickly. Um, my dad was telling me like, oh, I don't really want you to get in the stock market. You know, like yeah, yeah. he was kind of worried because like, you know, I got pretty hooked and, you know, during COVID we were taking classes online at home. So once I was done with my little zoom meeting, you know, knocked down my homework and then I was just on research mode all day, bro. Was trying to, you know, trying to be the next Jeff Bezos or something. <laughs> so, but yeah, dude, it's just like, you gotta, you gotta put in what you're willing to lose. Uh, I would like to start off do like those penny stocks are so nice, man. Like, cause those yeah. things right there, those are, those are low risk, high reward. I mean, yeah, you're, yeah. you're buying, you're buying a full share for five, six, seven cents. So it's like, you know, you put a hundred bucks in, you got like thousands of shares already. So it's like, and so, you know, I started doing like actual like stocks and then that's how I started. And then, you know, I eventually got into like day trading and like option trading, which is like that, right. That's like a whole different, different ball game, option trading and day, you know, day trading it. That's, that's like high, high, high risk. And it's like <laughs> very high reward as well, but dude those things go south in like the flip of a hat or whatever whatever the saying is <laughs> but yeah it's like you gotta yeah like you said you gotta put in your, your due diligence and you gotta do your research or you're just gonna lose it all like it's not it is a it is like a you know a little sort of an easy way to make money but if you don't put like your end of the work in dude like you can literally lose everything like in, in a matter of minutes like it's crazy how how, how the stock market works but yeah I, you know i started doing that like i said i'm still learning a bunch myself um richard's cousin uh marco uh he he's actually been helping me out a lot he, he's only been doing it for like a year and he's phenomenal at it like he's just his research and like what he does so i've been you know i've been trying to you just everywhere you look dude there's so much so many resources out there that you can learn from with yeah, the stock yeah. market and stuff and you know companies and you know it's crazy. Like I learned so much about like, obviously the stock market, of course, but like, I didn't realize how much went into the stock market, you know, like politically speaking and like, you know, like stuff that happens in, okay. For example, COVID, COVID breaks out. It's a pandemic. Stocks like Amazon mask companies, they blew up. Like, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, cause people are at home now and they're ordering stuff online. So it's like, I didn't realize how all that stuff worked, like how like real world problems and like, you know, stuff that goes on every day will affect, you know, if a stock goes up or down, like there was so much that I had no idea. And I didn't uh, find that out. until yeah. I was like two, three months in, you know? Yeah. But, your, your boy Biden is really doing a uh, number on uh, the stock market. Yeah. Shout out him, man. <laughs> I shout out I Biden. To, that's that's actually when I got in was when there was the, the big stock market crash back. What was it March of last year? Yeah, or dude, when it April. Hit. Oh man, I wish I would have bought so much stuff. Yeah. So oh my I gosh. 
that's what I'm saying, dude. And that's another thing, man. Those shit of could have they kill you. You lose sleep over it. Especially, <laughs> <laughs> hey, especially with cryptocurrency right now. Because oh, Bitcoin, as of to, as of today, Bitcoin is back up to like fifty thousand. Dude, which it was just like thirty. It was in its thirties, just like two went, weeks went ago. Back down, went back down to like the the high twenties, bro. It was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was crazy, man. Like, I mean, you know, a week ago it was at like. 43,000 and now it's at 50k that's like seven thousand dollar jump in a week it's like oh my gosh those are the shoulda coulda wouldas because i'm like i look at ethereum i look at bitcoin um and i'm like i really want to jump in but and i have a little bit not even i don't have a full share of either of course yeah definitely not a bitcoin but <laughs> um but i'm like i just don't have the the capital to be like Okay, if I put this money in, I'm willing to lose it. I just, I'm not yeah, there yet. <laughs> I know. It, it's tough. Like, another thing, too, like, there's, like, this big saying that goes around, like, you know, with the stock market, like, FOMO is huge. Like, if you're missing out. So, like, Bro. you see this stock, like, climbing up, and you're like, man, I got to get in. Like, you have to tell yourself. It's so hard to do it. But you just have to tell yourself, like, dude, there's going to be, like, there's going to be another one out there. Like there's so much money out there to be made with the stock market. It's not even funny. Like there's always going to be another stock that blows up. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. So that's when like your research coming in, like you just got to like put the time in and you'll figure it out. Like speaking of like cryptocurrency, that was like one of my big, that's what kind of like gave me like a big chunk of my capital was the little Dogecoin. <laughs> Doge to the Dogecoin moon, baby. buzz to the moon. <laughs> One of my, someone from church, actually, it was Reese Need. He, he's big on crypto. He's been on the crypto for a while. He, you know, he plays with all these like super cheap ones. And he told me, he's like, Hey, Nate, like, check this thing out. It's called Dogecoin. It's not even worth a penny yet. It's less than a cent. And I was like, Oh, dang. Like, so at the time I was like, dude, I just put a hundred bucks in here and I got like 80,000 shares, you know, from a hundred bucks. This thing is like worth basically nothing. And he was like, yeah, I literally put in like, he put in 10 or he put in a uh, 50 bucks and he made a thousand dollars profit in a year just from it going up like a 10th of a 10th of a cent. Like it was crazy. So I was like, dang, that's like, that's pretty cool. So I threw a couple hundred bucks in dude when it was like, like I said, less than a penny. And then this one random day it started going up and it, it went up to like three cents. And I was like, dude, like my account like tripled bro. <laughs> now it's at like 30 cents it got all the way up to just i think it's high dude, it's been like 36 cents if i'm not mistaken no dude it's uh it hit 77 cents dude almost oh my a dollar oh man yeah when did that, that happen big, that happened in uh june okay okay and then everything went down a little bit may i'm sorry i'm may it went it was at like 70 cents i'm sorry yeah and uh Dude, it's so hard, man. Like when you see it going up, like there's that you have to have like, like I said, like I just learned you have to learn as you go, which sucks because like you just you lose money from it, but that's just the way it is. Like you know, because you it, think maybe it will keep going up. Exactly, dude. Like and then it, it just, peaks. I, dude, it peaks and then it just starts free falling, and then you just like no. It's because of, of all the Reddit users. Those yeah, people man, control dude. so dude. much. Like that stuff too. Like I didn't know anything about the whole Reddit, the Reddit world and insider trading and everything. And it's just like, bro, it and sucks. Then, and then Elon Musk too. Anytime yeah. he says something good about Bitcoin, it goes up. Yeah. Every time he says something bad, like you can no longer buy a Tesla with Bitcoin. Dude, it tanked. But it tanked so bad. It went from like what, 65K down to like 30 Bro, it was it was crazy. I was watching it just I mean everyone was, but I was just watching yeah. it just go down and down and keep going. I was like, oh my gosh, that's that's one of the frustrating parts about it. it obviously it's volatile. The stock market is so volatile, but the crypto is so volatile because of famous people like Elon Musk mm -hmm. just being like, Yeah, you know, Bitcoin. Is sucks doge to the moon and then the next day saying doge sucks bitcoin to the moon it's like yeah and the sec i think was trying to mm -hmm. to get him in trouble Janet. but but yeah, because Janet, he's a private Janet citizen Yellen. yeah <laughs> yeah they the thing with crypto so like 
the New York Stock Exchange stock market, you know, it's it's got out. It's Monday through Friday, uh, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Yeah, and cryptocurrency doesn't have that. Those there was regulations, so it's Monday through Sunday, 24 hours. It's rolling. So, dude, it was like really bad. Like it was consuming me because like. <laughs> I, I, I had like I had this Dogecoin and I'm watching it like all night long, bro. Like two, three, four in the morning. Like I'm just paranoid. Like, oh, I don't know if it's gonna drop or it's gonna go up or down. And I was like, dude, and I like took a step back. I was like, all right, I gotta chill. Like I got <laughs> I can't do this every day. It was like, but yeah, like cryptocurrency, that thing is twenty four hours running, dude. It doesn't and that's the thing, man. Stock market doesn't care who you are, bro. <laughs> Dude, it comes, for you. comes straight for your neck. <laughs> it comes for your neck. How is how is uh President Biden been affecting it for you? Um so I didn't I wasn't in the stock market. Uh I've only been in the stock market since he's been in office. So I guess you can say I don't know. I mean, I've talked to people like, you know, my parents, my dad's been in it and some other friends. They were in it, you know when uh, president trump was in office and you know i know like the economy isn't as good as it was so like i said this is the only market i know because i've only been doing it for like seven eight months or whatever nine months uh so like i said i don't know what it's at at its peak i've seen it peak this year you know what i mean like i've seen the highs and lows of this year but i don't really like i said this is the only thing i have to compare to so uh, I can let you know in four years or three and a half years. <laughs> hey, when, president. when Kamala Harris is president. Oh, yeah. Then, uh, geez, man, who knows what's going to happen then. We probably won't even have a stock market. What are we going to have? There's, dude, so there's like, there's all these, this buzz, these rumors going around that like beginning of next year, you know, February, March of next year, like, the stock market is going to crash like harder than it's ever been. Like they were talking like reconstruction. I've, I've, I've heard that. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously the, the worst, you know, stock market economy crash we've had up to date was like the great depression. And, you know, when that happened, they were saying it to me worse than that, which I was like, like I said, I don't even know. I wasn't alive back then. So I've only heard about it in history class and whatnot. But they're saying it's going to like reconstruct like the way the stock market is ran, like every like all the fundamentals it has right now. It's like completely out the window, like they're going to completely like reconstruct it. So I was like, so like you hear stuff like that and it's like, dude, like you got to like make decisions amongst yourself. Like, all right, should I like keep my money in there or should I pull it out? Or it's just like you just got to do your research, man. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's definitely it's just, it's not frightening. Like I'm not afraid, but it's definitely yeah. concerning when right. your money is like reliant on a president giving businesses tax breaks or not giving them tax breaks. And now they have less mm-hmm. money to put back into R and D and less money to open up new, you know, new uh, uh, restaurants or new services, provide new services for people or shut yeah. down oil industries or try and get oil industries outside of the u.s and make deals with them and it's just like oh my gosh if if the government would just leave private businesses alone we would be fine we would flourish bro like, we would flourish like, if, if they would just leave capitalism to do its to do its thing we'd be fine we would like be I okay said, like i don't i mean obviously i know like like i was saying like this is all i've known so far was like with this current economy, but like, you know, when you only have a, a, a handful of, you know, companies like doing good, you know, you had like, I don't remember what it was. I mean, I could look it up the exact one, but dude, like Amazon throughout COVID, like, holy cow. Like if you would have put in, I, I saw something like all the shit that could have would have, you know, all that stuff. If, if you put in like a certain amount of money or like Tesla, dude, oh, I man. mean, like but like amazon like during covid just blew up because people were just ordering stuff from the house you know no one was going yeah and it's the government's fault that it blew up for the gut when the government said that no one else can buy anything from anywhere else except for your house you have to shop from your house 
Dude, I'm not kidding you. Amazon's driving by my house right now. So I look out my window. <laughs> <laughs> that's a de- that's a devil. That's and the then devil. and then the government says, okay, only you can only buy from Amazon because you can't leave your home. Now Jeff Bezos becomes a trillionaire. Or he became like a whole nother, he didn't become a trillionaire, but he became like a whole nother classification in mm-hmm. in like his in his wealth um, over COVID. He's the only person to get richer. Maybe. Not the only pandemic, but yeah, off of a worldwide crisis. And this man is getting richer. Why? Because the government said, we will tell you where to shop. If the government would just, and I don't care about, oh, Aaron, it was, it was COVID. I don't care about that. The government doesn't get to choose that Walmart gets to stay open and little mom, pa shop gets to stay closed. Who the sorry. heck is Walmart? I mean, sorry, who the heck is the government to say Walmart gets to stay open and not you? What right. the heck are we doing relying on these goofballs to to tell us what businesses can stay open? Which, because guess what? Walmart continued to flourish mm-hmm. while small business got hurt. Yeah, and it's like, dude, the reality, like their whole thing with, you know, people like, you know, okay, we got a quarantine and whatnot. So I agree. I'm not saying like, you know, COVID's definitely real. You know what I'm saying? Like people did die from it, whatever. Not whatever, but you get what I'm saying. It's like you got you got a small, you got a local business. You're not gonna have as much people in there as you do as a you know big Walmart or a big Target. But it's like, but yeah, like those companies, man. Jeff, okay, so Jeff Bezos, he he became eighty six billion dollars richer during the first year of COVID. Eighty six oh billion dollars. He made eighty six billion dollars profit during COVID. It's like, I mean, yeah. thank you, COVID. I, right, exactly. It's like, I'm no, sure. Th- he, thank you the way the government handled COVID. That's what it is. I'm, I'm sure he was so distraught and so, yeah, had such a horrible year of COVID, making 86 bill in his crib. <laughs> and he doesn't even, you know, he stepped down from Amazon now. And now he, he, he's like, it's, I don't know, man, those guys, it's like, it's crazy. And, you know, I, you know, I'm not one of those guys that's like, you know, hating on them. Like, dude, that guy started off in his garage. Like, kudos, yeah, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's sick. He started off in his garage with everything. So it's like, but it's like, what do you even, what, what can you do with that much money? <laughs> so now he steps down from Amazon and he goes full time into, uh, you know, he's diving into the crypto world now, trying to find new ways of income, which is like, yeah. That's just like crazy, man. He's like, diving, he's diving into that as well as, Trying to go to space. Right. The whole SpaceX thing. It's pretty gnarly. No, SpaceX is, uh, that's Elon Musk. Elon Musk. That's right. Yeah. Jeff didn't, Bezos Jeff Bezos has just his go own. To the, didn't he just go with like his brother or something? Yeah. He went out, he went up with like four other people into space and then came back. And um, it was pretty tough. Like, you know, I'm the same way. I don't, I definitely don't hate on any type of millionaire or billionaire because, you know, a millionaire turned himself into a billionaire. And a thousandaire turned himself into a millionaire. And that's tough. Like, that ain't no joke. I'm not going to hate on them because they grinded. They, they're doing stuff that I didn't do. And uh, so I will never demand that they give back or demand that they should be taxed more because that's not my money. And I don't believe in stealing from, uh, stealing from people because the Bible says not to. Uh, so Commandments. Um, yeah. Yeah, for anyone that says socialism is Jesus was a socialist. Jesus was not a socialist. Just read thou the shalt Bible. Not steal. Just yeah, and thou shalt not covet. Uh, <laughs> thou shalt not place any other gods before me, which we do in socialism with the government being placed above God. So it's uh yeah, I'm not a fan of criticizing Jeff Bezos except for when he says dumb stuff about politics or tries to take books off of, uh, from selling them. Yeah. Like Alex Berenson's books and whatnot. But, um, dude, it's already been, it's already been an hour. Sheesh. Sheesh. Oh, by pretty quick. Give me, give me a, give me a sheesh for my people. Dude, I don't even think I can go that high, bro. Sheesh. Nate. (laughs) Do you want to, do you want to, uh, do you want to shout yourself out for all my listeners before I let shout you go? Shout myself out. Sure, man. Go ahead. Follow go me ahead. on the gram. 
Follow me on the gram. And Amico underscore eight. How about on Twitter? You got a little Twitter handle or what? Yeah, I got I got Twitter too. It's the same thing, except it's a underscore two. And Amico underscore two. Uh, yeah, would you would you, you would you be willing to take people's money and invest it for him? No, I will too, not do that. Not too, yet. Too much. Too, too much. I have to tell my. I have to commit to myself. I'm okay with myself putting my own money in there. <laughs> I don't want to be, be responsible. That would be too much stress. That's what people do, man. That's what those brokers do. But I, it's dude, it's way too stressful. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Bro, that, that stuff ain't no joke. I would not no. want to be responsible for someone else's money. No, not at all. Especially right now. No, no way. <laughs> Nate, dude, I appreciate you coming on, talking a little bit about life, talking a little little stock market action with me. Yeah, appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on here. It was fun. Good yeah, of course. Of course. All right, guys. I appreciate you all listening. I hope you uh, have a wonderful day, and I will see you guys next week.